Welcome to the Crushing Cashflow Podcast, where we share phenomenal advice and dozens of decades of wisdom from investors and entrepreneurs of all types and all stages of their journeys. We'll cover many forms of cash flowing assets, such as real estate, stock investing, entrepreneurship, and general finance guidance. Listen in and learn from those who are crushing it out there, as well as those who have been crushed by business or their investments. Now, here's your host, Andrew Shutsky. Welcome back to another wonderful episode of Crushing Cashflow. With me today is a very special guest, Mr. Reed Goosens. Mr. Reed, how are you? Good day, mate. How's it going? Doing well, doing well. I think you're our second native Australian in almost really, in a, almost in a row. Two out of three episodes. I've Who's had, that? Uh, Who's the other one? I'm going to go uh, beat Warren, him up. Warren Dressner, another REA. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you know Warren? Yeah. Okay. I, I know of him. Yes. yes yeah. Yes. No, he lives in guy. Florida, right? What's that? Is he in Florida? He's in Miami. Yeah. Yep. That's Miami. right. Yep, yeah. Yep. I think his so, wife is from Mexico City. I believe. Yes. So, yeah. Correct. Yep. Correct. Yep. So us real estate folk are a melting pot from all over, I think. But mm-hmm. it's, it's odd and, and I think unique to have two Aussies on in such a short period of time. Welcome again, man. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me. My intro won't do your intro justice. So Reed's a fellow podcaster. He's an investor. He's a mentor. He's a coach. He's an all-around badass dude. So Reed, <laughs> tell us your story. I, I'll never do it justice. So, so sure. take, it, take it into high gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, my big thing is I, I moved here a decade ago. Really to chase a girl. That girl's now my wife. Exciting. We're actually expecting our first kid coming here at the end of the year, which is pretty awesome. So awesome. Uh, it's going to be a big Congratulations. Change, thank you. But, you know, really was just to move here to be an expat. I fell in love with this American girl, wanted to move out here. There was a good visa for Australians. If you had a white collar job, you could get a job and a visa for two years. So I had my background's in structural engineering. I graduated in 07 and I moved to the US without a job. I moved here just on a whim and I wanted to live in the US and be an expat. And then Move, move back in you know, two, three years' time and keeping an engineer and, and, and the rest is history. But when I moved here, I already had been bitten by the real estate bug. And within sort of six months of moving here, I realized quickly how cheap property is here in the United States. I bought my first property, 38000 bucks, all cash in Syracuse, New York. It was a four-hour Greyhound bus trip from Penn Station all the way up there. And that got me started. That got me in the game. We're just talking a little bit about offline. My first day for Flip Deal was just down the road from you in Point Breeze, Philadelphia in 2013. Yep. And then in 2014, I moved back to LA where I'm currently living and my wife is from. Started my own podcast there. I started raising money from the podcast and I then started mentoring, uh, sort of joining other mentors and, and raising money for their deals. And then in 15 and 16, I started to branch out on my own, doing my own lead syndications. I've grown the portfolio to over $650 million worth of assets oh management over 3,000 units. I've achieved my own financial freedom. I'm now building a team below me. I have employees, which is insane. It's and fantastic. really, I don't say it to boast. I say it to inspire because I didn't move here with, that was never the idea. I came here with limited resources. I grew up, my, my parents are both high school teachers. I, I, didn't, I don't have a silver spoon in my mouth. I, I have a, just a bit of a, a curiosity that I want to keep scratching. So, you know, my whole impetus to move to the US is, was, you know, to fulfill, you know, unfulfilled potential. And I'd always thought to myself, if I wake up when I'm 65 years of age and go, geez, I wish I'd moved to the United States, I'll, be, I'll have regret. So I think I just, the, the only thing that you know, I'm, I'm lucky about that I just took action in my mid-20s, moved here and you know, put one foot in front of the other. And all of a sudden you look up and you see what, what, what sort of mountaintop you scaled. So hopefully this story can inspire some of your listeners and ask away and we can talk about a, a myriad of things yeah. under the sun. No, I can't imagine how it wouldn't be inspirational. So in, in a relatively short period of time, it's, let's call it a decade, rounded off, you went from 
first house in Syracuse, New York, under $50,000 to $650 million. I'll call it upwards of a half a billion dollars. That sounds mm-hmm. more impressive. What would you attribute to your success? Like, you know, why hasn't that been replicated by so many others? What makes you unique? I think you've done what a lot of people have not. So what would you, it's, what are your top couple of items you think? Well, it's interesting you say that, right? The people who I aspire to be have achieved it and have done better. <laughs> so well, small circle there. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Well, you know, yeah. I'm talking about the Fearlesses and the Ashcrofts yeah. and the Tides and the, you know, the Rise 48s and other folks in, you know, who are doing bigger stuff these days. I, I think, Look, my background in structural engineering definitely helped. One of the things that I did well early on was when I moved to LA, I knew I'd had enough of engineering and I wanted out. And I actually used my engineering degree to jump and leapfrog into working for a big developer here in Los Angeles. And I actually built, over a period of three to five years, I built a ton of multifamily product here. I was working for a big developer as a inside the belly of the beast, so to speak, You know, seeing how a big developer operates. Now, I do real estate syndication. It's a little bit different game, but you, I was still surrounded by real estate 24-7. I was still doing my syndications on the side. I had done four syndications, leading them being as a lead sponsor on four deals before I could quit my day job. Now, the reason for that is because I had had green card issues. But back to your original question, I always I have a curiosity. I guess I'm just not afraid of backing myself. And that was probably been, you know, I've self-doubt all the time. All the freaking time. I've got self-doubt even today, raising 13 million bucks on a deal. I, I still have self-doubt. But I think that it comes quieter and, and you just really have to get comfortable pushing the boundaries because ask yourself the question, if you don't take the risk, will you regret it? And, and, and risk is a, a relative word. It's, it's controlled risk. I spent a lot of time educating myself about buying that first property in Syracuse, about getting involved in syndications. Even to this day, I keep... You know, refining my model for underwriting, making it better, getting other people to have inputs. I'm constantly trying to be the best version of myself, but it all starts with a curiosity and it all starts with you know, asking yourself the question, will you be unfulfilled if you get to the time you're 60 or 70 and kick yourself because you didn't take action sooner? So, yeah. So great. I mean, I would comment, I mean, a lot of people are curious, right? So Mm -hmm. there's a fine line or maybe a big line between those are curious and those that can overcome maybe failure after failure. How many, you know, you mentioned doing your first four deals as a lead sponsor. What was that process like? You know, what was going through your head? Did you, how many offers do you think you put out in those times? Like, yeah, like looking back, so I did a couple of co-GPs early on, yeah. um, raising you know, half a million bucks on, on mm-hmm. some deals. That got me started, got me going. And then, yeah, I remember that first deal we got under contract, my business partner and I, former business partner, but, but still a good, good friend to this day. We looked at like 60 or 70 deals to get to that first one. You know, And I remember it was a $16.1 million deal. It just went full cycle earlier this year. We produced, I think, an 18 or 90% IRR to our investors. It was, great. It was awesome. But the I, I have a gray patch in the back of my head here where my wife calls it the, the real estate gray patch. It was stressful, my friend. I remember yeah. the first, you know, we had to raise $6.9 million. We ended up getting, this was back in 2000, late 2016, early 2017, I think. We got involved a real estate crowdfunding site. I remember to this day, they came out to site. They couldn't raise a dime, right? I was, we were, my business partner and I, we were both, you know, S-H-I-T-I-N. Yeah, yeah. We were shitting the bed going, oh, yeah. we, we have no idea how we're going to close this. They were $1.5 million out of 6.8, 6.9. That's a large chunk. We were like back calculating, you know, this is three weeks before the close. Oh and gosh. I remember I get it, I get a phone call. I'm at work at the developer, and I'm in, I'm in the in the hello, who's this? And some random <laughs> bloke had got my deck. 
And he was an accredited investor and he and his brother wanted to invest $1.3 million. Wow. Over a 20-minute conversation, that, that turned into saving our bacon. That turned into getting to that second deal. That turned into third, fourth, fifth deal. That turned into those same two brothers we just bought a $104 million deal with early, uh, late last year. So wow. I'm not hugely religious, but there's clearly someone was looking up over, over above me. And I just tell that story because it just sometimes you got you have it all planned out and things go wrong. And there's got to be a little bit of that faith there that the net will appear because you go back to that big divide between people curious and people taking action. I think it's getting comfortable with that leap, knowing that that net will appear. And everyone keeps saying it, and it's very hard. I know how, how difficult it is because I've been there to take that jump and, and just know that the net will appear. So yeah, yeah. it seems like that was your turning point. Like from that point forward, you probably know like whatever comes up, we're going to find a way, right? We're, even today, like I recently just separated from my business partner. We're all, all amicable, all good. And I'm going out on my own. I'm doing new, new, new deals, new markets. I still get that same feeling, right? I'm still I'm about to do a webinar tonight for a new deal. It's still, yeah, you know, raising capital is still a, it's stressful. You know, it's stressful, yeah. man. It's not it really- it's, it's, the deal ain't getting done if you can't raise that capital. So no. Hopefully no. the track record and the story and building the brand and all that things get it over. They will get. I'm, I'm sure I've, I've talked to so many people. I think we're, I think we're good, but there's always going to be that that pushing. So yeah, I'm constantly living in a state of pushing the envelope and, and being comfortable being uncomfortable. That's a great way to say. I mean, no, I think as many people I've talked to, dozens if not hundreds of people, no one's ever like, oh yeah, it's going to be a breeze. I mean, you, <laughs> there's so many variables, right? There's market conditions. There's what people, you know, your investors may have other investments they're tied up. As, as great as your deal may be, it doesn't mean they're always going to invest, right? There's never a guarantee with any of this stuff. It's just interesting. That's right. That's right. Yep. What importance does you know the whole mindset play into your your day to day practices? Do you have any rituals you like to do? Mm-hmm. And it sounds kind of cheesy, but I, I mean a lot of the, yes, I have on a lot of really successful individuals like yourself. I mean they attribute that more than anything, more than the technical, more than the underwriting. It's just like getting through day to day. Do you have any daily rituals that you do that might be helpful to our listeners? Yeah, so I do, and then, this is not. I've come into this stuff over the last couple of years, you know, being more comfortable in my own skin. I think the first one is consistency. Being consistent and yeah. showing up every single day. There's a term in, when you're a bowler, you're trying to get the, the batsman out. You, you want to hit a line and length. You keep hitting line and length, line and length, line and length, line and length. You'll get the batter out. So consistency is one. But mindset to you know, we talk about the self doubt and and the the inner talk to reduce that chatter. I do focus a lot on meditation. I meditate a lot in the morning. I usually carve out between twenty minutes to thirty minutes every single morning when I wake up. I walk the dog. I come back. I literally lay on my my living room floor and I, I work on deep breathing techniques and I work on a mantra and that helps sets the stage. If I don't do that, I my day is screwed. Like it's something weird. But having consistency and then being self aware enough to understand where I've come from. I think so many people don't give themselves enough credit. And I did the same thing when I first got started. You know, I'm not doing it quick enough. I'm not doing it fast enough. I'm not getting there. I'm not doing the big enough deal. It's like another muscle you have to train in your brain to also say, no, look, I am enough. I am worthy. And look what I have achieved in the last little while. Because if you don't stop to admire the view, you're going to constantly peak grind. There's always going to be a hill to climb. (laughs) There's always a hill. You have to practice the self-awareness and the ability to give yourself a break. And I'm so guilty. of. of, I'm so tough on myself. We Um, all are. are. 
And that builds up that lack of self-confidence and that, oh, can I do this? Can I not do this? Am I going to be able to get that deal closed? Can I make that offer? You know, all those things, self-doubt and negative talk, you know, we, we, we battle it all the time. There's just a few techniques that I try consistently working out in meditation. I can relate to everything you said. I mean, it's funny how one little tweak and throwing out of your routine just throws you way off. Like for you, it's the morning. For me, it's the evening. I, I need to get a good night's rest. My mind is always going 100 miles an hour. And if I, if I skip that meditation, if I don't do my stretching after my workout, I just yeah, feel right. it. Maybe it's mental, but like it throws off the whole next day. And I just, <laughs> I, can't, I can't forgive myself. That's, no, that's, it's, it's right. Yeah. I mean, another thing you said was just like being really hard on yourself. That's everybody, my, you know, my family, my wife will give me a hard time saying like, Hey, you're already doing so well. Like, why do you continue to do, you know, two jobs basically and work so hard. And it's like, and I, I've kind of learned and trying to train myself to just enjoy the process, enjoy the yes. journey. Cause there's always things you can go look back on and say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in that upper 1%, half a percent. Enjoy the view. Look at the other 99% that's out mm -hmm. there, right? I mean, you mm -hmm. got that's one thing that I work on and I struggle with, but I, it's great to relate to somebody else. It's run your own race, right? Like it's, yeah. it's all about social media and things and oh my God. alerts and all yeah. that crap, you know, like and comparing yourself to other people. It's, it goes back to that self-awareness and, and self-confidence to run your own race. You're on, you're, on a, you're on a good journey. And to your point, enjoy the journey because yeah. you know, life can be over very quickly. And one, one of the things actually in my personal life, you know, throughout this journey, when I turned 31, unfortunately, my, which was only five years ago, my mum my, my passed away in Australia. And I really, I was still working full time. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. You know, like what you are, like just so many pots on the stove, right? So many spinning, spinning plates. And I just said to myself, like I, I had guilt already about being here and chasing the dream and not being there and all that stuff. And I know mum would have loved me to, you know, she, she told me like, read your chat, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. I love you for it. But it, it helped me put into perspective, like, dude, if you're going to freaking do this, go and do this now. Yeah. Stop, stop waiting for the, all the lights, the traffic lights to turn green. Like you're your life could right. be over in a split second. Enjoy the freaking journey and go take some freaking action because otherwise you're going to be stuck at the bloody stoplight all the time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you had to narrow in on one thing. What would your superpower be? What would you say, hey, I've got this unique ability that I share with others and it's, you know, it kind of sets me apart? I think my unique ability, I've always been brought up, keep your mouth shut and listen, right? So I think I'm pretty good at observing others and maybe it's the engineering mindset like and breaking it down saying, and, yeah. and identifying little traits or little things and saying oh they did that's interesting they, they did that i'm going to take that on board and i'm going to I'm going to give that a try so for me it's i think that's a good one my international perspective a little bit like knowing what we don't have in australia compared to the us yeah um you know in terms of cash flow in terms of you know access to good debt in terms of multifamily, all that stuff that that's another one so i think those two you know the ability to to observe others you know listen then speak so to speak yeah so, yeah that's powerful. And I love asking that question to different people because some people approach it, like, especially, you know, you were trained in engineering. I was trained in a technical background. It's usually like, oh, I'm an underwriter. Like I know finance, I know debt. Mm -hmm. I can speak to the numbers. I'm a numbers guy or I'm a people relationship person. But like, I like your approach of like, hey, maybe it's more of just a broader skill set. It's a softer skill. But what would you, you know, how would you, you're a coach, right? You, you mentor plenty of individuals. How do you help people find their superpower, what they're good at? Yeah. I think, again, listening to them understanding and having belief in them. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a unique ability. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it takes a coach or a mentor or someone in your circle to say, hey, that's freaking awesome. You're, you've got a unique power. You know, use it. 
Yeah. And you take that other person to observe you for a little while to really identify that. So, yeah, I think just it's not, I don't necessarily, and again, coaching is a very small part of my business. It used to be a lot bigger, but the the listening and the observing and just being a sounding board. Because I know myself, I have coaches who coach me. I use them as a sounding board. They can identify things in me that I don't identify in myself, i.e. your unique ability. So yeah. Love it. Marie, we're about rounding in on the, on the final part of the show. If you had one tip to share with our listeners, maybe someone sitting on the sidelines, what would you tell them? Ask yourself, what would you regret not taking action when you're 60, you know, looking back when you're 65 years of age, 70 years of age, yeah. Will you regret not taking the action today? And nine times out of the 10, the answer is yes, you will regret it. I love so, it. So simple, but it's so powerful. So as we close on out, somebody wants to get in contact with you, learn more about your organization, more about your deals going on. How do they do so? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, easiest way is to go to readgooses.com. It's R-E-E-D-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S.com. And you can also hit me up at info at readgooses.com if you're ever coming through Los Angeles you want to hit me up and go for a beer or go for lunch, then you can do so at that time. So yeah. Love it. Thanks so much for joining me. It's a pleasure having you. Awesome, buddy. Keep up the great work. And I really appreciate being asked on the show. Of course. Thanks for listening in with us for another episode of the Crushing Cashflow Podcast. We have a small favor to ask of all of our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Each subscription and rating will help us massively toward our goal of helping reach as many listeners as possible each week. Thank you very much once again for listening. We're thrilled to have you with us as part of this journey, and we can't wait to share more of these stories with you. Stay tuned for much more to come.